Ashton here with Love Life and Disability. Hi and welcome back to another episode of Love Life and Disability with me, Kay Ashton. Today I am joined by Samir. Now Samir, after he had a stroke many years ago, his life came crashing down around him. Through life-changing situation and a debilitating illness and the loss of work. And finally, a divorce. That's not something cool. That's not something nobody wants to go through. He's battled through this and he's here today to tell us his story. He is also an author and has wrote the book, One Fine Day, which was released in December 2020. At the moment, it is also being made into an audio book as well. Hi there. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me on. As one author to another author, it's we always know it's good to get a story out there and to tell our journey about living with different disabilities and how our lives are sometimes turned upside down. But looking at that positivity and you've got a lot of positivity and that showcases throughout your book um, in building resilience, the insights for learning and finding that positivity. And I guess all stories have to begin somewhere. So going back a few years ago, you had a stroke. How, how was that for you? Right, you know, the, the stroke happened in January, 2017, and it was all of a sudden, you know, there were no symptoms whatsoever. And, and, and apparently there are two types of strokes. And I, ne- I never knew this till I, after the fact, because I was constantly asking my doctor, how the hell this happened? So apparently there are two types of strokes. One is a lifestyle stroke, you know, which is about you know, your diet, your drinking habits and your workouts and stuff like that. And the other one is genetic. You know, you're born with this abnormality and this was going to happen. So you know, I, I had the genetic kind of stroke and this could have happened anytime. I was like 10 or 20 or 30, or it just happened it, uh, that it happened when I was 47. So it was a genetic uh, uh, form of, uh, you know, uh, uh, issue I had, and uh, it it will it results into a stroke uh, for many, uh, and many people are you know have these, you know have this abnormality, but not every everybody ha- has a stroke, and I was the unfortunate one, uh, but luckily I was home, and I could get into an hospital pretty quickly, and that saved my life. And with the stroke in your situation being genetic, have we managed to identify whom else within your family that might be a genetic carrier of this? Or was you um, maybe the first in your family with the mutation part of the genetic? Yeah, I, I, I was the first one in my family. And uh, the, uh, the mutation I had was something called a cavernoma, which is an extremely rare form of, uh, you know, uh, mutation. And when it, when it, uh, ruptures like mine did, yeah. you know, it, it is very, very lethal and in it's extremely rare. And, you know, uh, okay, many people die from this and a, a few survive. So I'm in that survivor category, well, but it's extremely rare. And I suspect more awareness needs to be done about this because as you say, a lot of people only really know of strokes by, by the lifestyle side, side of things, whether or not that's smoking, right. being overweight and fitness, as, as you mentioned. Correct. And I suspect this is now where you wanted to make your journey and basically showcase it with the world. In January, 2017, you know, my life was pretty normal, very predictable. You know, I had adjusted well 
to my life in the U.S. after having moved from in, in, from India in 1990. You know, I was living the American dream. I had a great job. I had a nice house. I had a loving family, a fancy sports car, and I was pretty well settled. So things were uh, going on fine till that fateful uh, morning of uh, January 2017, when I suffered this uh, massive stroke, an extremely rare stroke, again, again without any warnings. So that, you know, I call it that day as my, my one fine day, which means anything can happen to anybody uh, uh, one fine day and uh, good or bad things. So in my case, it was a bad thing. You know, so my, my life, my previous life, which I mentioned, uh, ended forever that day because, you know, I suffered this massive stroke. My left side was paralyzed. I was completely bedridden right after my stroke. Wow. And it has changed ever since. You know, so, but, but I, I truly felt grateful and thankful that, you know, I had survived this very rare form of stroke and, uh, you know, was very fortunate uh, uh, the way I thought uh, was very fortunate to have this second lease on my life. So I decided, you know, I wanted to share my stories, my experiences uh, with, with the rest of the world or people who are going through adversity or life changes, because I'd done a lot of things in in, in, in my recovery. So I wanted to share those experiences uh, with other people. And uh, so I decided to share my uh, journey with the, uh, with the world for, uh, for, for, uh, for first and foremost for, 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 for that reason. I wanted to share my experiences. And secondly, I also wanted to uh, you know, thank a lot of people uh, who have helped me in my journey. So it's it's also a, a letter of gra gratitude to, towards a lot of people who have helped uh, in my journey back uh, home in the US and also in, in, in India. So th those were the two reasons, sharing my journey with other, other folks. So hopefully it can be helpful to them and also a way to uh, thanking people uh, uh, who helped me in my journey. And Kay, uh, one of the benefits, and I'm sure you, you also went through it, one of the unexpected benefit for me as I wrote the, uh, the, my memoir was that while writing it, uh, it also helped me uh, in my healing journey, which was, which was unexpected, you know? Yes. Uh, and that was great. No, I totally relate to a lot of things that you've said there, especially right. in the grat like gratification and saying thank you to people by you writing your, your book and sharing your journey because it was a way for me to showcase the NHS here in, in the UK, my friends and my family, you know, how much they meant to me. And if they were not part of my my recovery, I wouldn't be right. where I am today. Through the love my parents, yeah. helping me out, my schooling to see me through my GCSEs still and for me to get to where I am, I can't do that right. support. And it's important that people know that you do need that support around you. But if you haven't got right. it, you know, there's other avenues that you can look for it if, if required. Yeah, aren't we lucky to have that support? And the support mechanism, you know, it, it is, it's needed, I think, in our, in our recovery, especially when we, when our, if, so for me, I've always lived with my disability. There's always been something that may change or something new that may come on board. So when something new comes on board, it's sometimes it's it's that part way for me i think i need that bit more support because even a bit you, you kind of get used to it's kind of oh, right. 
there's that again but then when it's something new it's kind of like another kick in the teeth it's kind of oh god mm-hmm. here we go again and then it's that part it's where did you get your support bubble from so you know when uh, when when i uh, i had my stroke you know obviously my ex-wife then helped me a lot and then a lot of my friends you know who come from different uh, you know diverse backgrounds back in the us uh, you know white black you know educated uneducated legal Ill- illegal you name it so i have got a very very mix uh, good mix of friends and they helped me tremendously so besides my ex wife my you know my fr- uh, diverse set of friends helped me in the us and then in, in, in india my mom and my sister are here and they they helped me a lot and my brother in law also helped me a lot and there are lots of other friends here in in india also who helped me a lot so i was truly truly blessed did you ever take pity on yourself where, uh, like initially when when this all first happened because it can be very easy for us just to sit there and swallow up and let all the negativity take over us did that ever happen to you at any point right right so initially absolutely yes and you know i would not be a human if i did right uh so the question of you know why me why this has happened to me why my family has to suffer you know hounded me nonstop for the first four to six months after my stroke and uh, you know probably these thoughts came to my mind the why me thoughts every one or two hours in those first few months but that frequency reduced over a period of time because i started to do things like meditation I started talking to a clinical psychologist and that helped me accept reality and uh, i came to the realization that you know you know after a few months that uh, you know uh, self pity and complaining are not going to help mm-hmm. and uh, the and uh, that you cannot play the victim beyond a certain time it's perfectly okay it's perfectly human to have some uh, pity initially but that has to uh, quickly stop i realized that and i did stop uh, as uh, so that you can slowly begin to accept your uh, new reality and eventually your new normal no, I, I again can totally agree especially like seeing the psychologists as well and um, obviously for some different disabilities there's no full cure themselves and sometimes right, right. it can be um the the pity or the the mental mental health side of things that ends up the, the debilitating us even more and it can right. be a mixture of medication and rehab and so forth in in order for us to then live our full lives and as as you say you know it's about accepting that that new reality and that we can get you know we can get these off days but we are we are only human right so I, i do find that if we do just sit there going oh i can't do this i can't do that you know you start to believe it and instead of looking at being solution focused you know it's it's finding other ways to go about something i always say to people there's 2 plus 2 equals 4 but so does 1 plus 3 so does 4 plus 0 there's many ways we can get to a right right in path um for us to to be able to like rehabilitate ourselves in different ways to do things especially now with how technology is changing and the accessibility mm-hmm. around us i was speaking to one of my friends the other day and you know you spoke about um, like the paralysis on left side of your body and i'm on crutches with knee braces is we, we often say it's it's i'm not disabled it's the world around me that is disabling and right right like when i'm on crutches people are oh 
does does it bother you that you need crutches support you? And I'm like, well, no, my crutches are a liber- liberating because without them and without my braces, I wouldn't be able to get that. I wouldn't be able to do everything that I need to do. So now I'm actually quite mm. blessed for them because they're, they're liberating. They get me out there. They get me doing things. And people think I'm a bit weird. I'm kind of, no, no, because without them, right. the world would make me disabled because, you know, I wouldn't be able to do anything. With all illnesses, as we know, it's always very tempting to compare ourselves with different illnesses and different disabilities to other people. Is How do you avoid maybe some of the temptations there? Right, right. So I, again, going back to being human, right? We, we naturally have the tendency to compare, you know, our situation, our you know, you know, recovery with other. It's very, very tempting, and you know, your friends and family and colleagues don't make it easier either. You know, they will always uh, think of some examples of, you know, one or two examples they know of people with illnesses and how they, you know, they they, they did to uh, what they did to fa- uh, face the situation. Uh, but and and uh, but again, they they are coming from a you know uh, they mean well, right? They they are not uh, trying to be mean. They mean well, mm-hmm. and they are coming from an angle, uh, you know, to give us hope. So to keep my sanity, you know, I I, I soon realized that you know this comparison is not going to help. You know, uh, I I reminded myself constantly that every situation and every adversity is different. You know, everybody has to fight fight their own battles. And no matter what it is, and slowly but surely, I started to learn to accept that I will heal at my own pace, and which was perfectly okay. You know, I I uh, th- uh, I, I did the things uh, you know uh, like uh, meditation, talking to a psychologist, uh, doing yoga, and that helped me a lot uh, in, in this regard. It's it's it is isn't it? It's because when a lot of people talk it if we're to take it, any disability i guess it's oh well what have you done for your recovery and it i guess in some ways it can be helpful because then it's like another kind of like support network especially right. if it's positive and it's different strategies people may have used let's say about talking to like psychologists and stuff to like retrain your mind maybe with cbt the cognitive behavioral therapy those that um don't know what cbt is people for some people that can work perfectly well but then for other people it may not i'm at work and i told my friend about insomnia at the moment and she's like oh i go to a breathing class on a thursday night she says i'll get you a token for so this was last night i actually went to it and she was like oh i'm i struggle with sleep so i go to this breathing class come along to it she says i'll I'll, I'll get you signed up so then me Mm -hmm. and my housemate was doing breathing exercises last night before we went to bed and we, he passed out on the sofa fast asleep halfway through the breathing exercises. And then I said, right. great. So sometimes I think even though we do compare our illnesses or disabilities, even though it may not be the same disabilities or illnesses, we can sometimes learn the lessons from each other. So it's always a tricky one, but it's really tempting to do it. As, and as you say, we always mean well when, when we are doing it, is to, is to help each other. But I think for me, it's when it's the negative side of things it's talking about mm-hmm. the bad because what you don't want is is negativity can breed negativity and I've right before where you're in groups and people are all talking really bad about the illnesses yeah we all get bad days but then you end up going into that dark hole with them and sometimes it can be hard to pull yourself back out 
and then that's it then your day's just gone for the day unless you can really pick yourself back up but I think definitely if it's solution focused we can always learn from from one another and maybe take you know that sounds really good that I could use that maybe I'll give it a go and it may work right, right. You know. how, how do you distinguish between the, the negativity of people um, comparing different illnesses as, as opposed to the positivity and working with those things right Right. See, see, everybody comes from a, a positivity angle, but it's, so it's up to you to kind of, you know, look at it uh, that way. You you can go the negative route. You can, but uh, you 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 should avoid doing that. So you have to be, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you you, uh, you know, like I did in my business career, you know, take a lot of input, a lot of ideas and suggestions from a lot of people, but at the end of the day, only you can decide what course of action you want to take. Same thing with uh, you know you, you, you know with these other you know things which again people uh, mean well you you can listen you can take the lessons learned but that shouldn't have an impact uh, on you because you know for example if somebody had a, a in my case a, a stroke and they recovered in six months you know that doesn't mean they had the same kind of stroke or the same intensity of of the stroke as I did so as long as I'm rational about it. You know, listen to every uh, point of view, uh, uh, but at the end of the day, you make your own decision on what things you need to do. No, then you're good. And that's why it's important for us to take ownership of our own decisions as well. Absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, you know, okay, it's very, very important, and I stress that in my book. You know that uh, you have to take ownership of your decisions. You no, know, uh, and again, as I said before. No, uh, people come from a you know a very very uh, helpful uh, perspective. You know they have lots of ideas and suggestions, and not just people. You know your your therapists, your doctors, you know all kinds of other you know uh, audio books or uh, recordings. You know gives you different ideas and suggestions. But again, as I mentioned, at the end of the day, you have to evaluate them yourself, and and decide for yourself uh, what you need to pursue. You know, it's even health aside, we should always be taking ownership of our decisions. If I was to go to a shop and rob, I've chosen to do that. My that I've if I'm then arrested, you know, I need to take ownership for that. If I was to, I don't know, go do something else, <laughs> something bad, then you know, whatever outcome that brings, you need to take ownership for it. So it's really important that people take ownership for the decisions they and make. Sometimes it's, it's it's the other way around, but only you can decide on that. And nobody else can take that call. Only can, you can take that call, no matter what. You know, the first step is to accept it as hard as it may be. And, and most importantly, Importantly, to find ways uh, to move forward and face your new normal with grace and gratitude. But only you can do that. Nobody else can do that for you. And moving forward, and as we speak about there, is looking at ourselves and us taking our steps forward. Um, I know with my own recovery, the independence in my own recovery was, for me, the most important part. What about yourself? Yeah, I think I think uh, being independent is critical to your healing, and and it's very critical. I think uh, you know, of, of course, there are times when you will have to be totally you are totally dependent uh, 
in, in my case, the first two months, you know, I was completely bedridden. So I had, I had to be dependent on my ex-wife and my friends. Uh, so I was, uh, you know, so it, obviously, you know, depending on your situation, uh, uh, you may be dependent, but you have to eventually uh, be independent, you know, to do the many things in your recovery. You know, it is, it is, it is crucial uh, to do, do it on your own. You know, uh, there are benefits to, to doing that, right? It, it makes you more confident and you feel better that you're not a burden on other people and, and so on and so forth. So psychologically, it, uh, it helps you. But having said that, you know, it is, it is not that you have to be totally uh, independent, 100%. You know, you can take some help from others uh, for certain things, but majority of the time, Again, 80%, 90% of the time, you have to do things on your own. You should try to be as independent as possible. And I discovered that in my journey. And to, to date in my recovery, it's helping me to be independent because even this trip to India I made, I made it on my own, which, which was huge for me because the last few trips, I, I had a friend fly with me. So, so again, I think uh, it, it definitely, you know, being independent will help you accept your reality sooner than later totally agree and it can definitely help with the with the mindset as well in moving you right right, right and with friends and family as, as you know we've spoke about sometimes we can feel like we're a burden on them because even though we're going through recovery as well and we're going through different changes in our lives and having to adapt in different ways our friends and family are also having to adapt in many different ways whether or not that's themselves physically and mentally their houses might need to be adapted so for instance after my spinal operation we used to have a bath at my mum and dad's I couldn't get in and out of the bath so we had to change that then from a from a bath to a walking shower right right from walking to being in, in a wheelchair and mm -hmm. That then means we needed a bigger car. So I'm also in a financial burden to my parents as well, where before I wasn't. Right. Is as we know. Um, so yeah, the di different different family members and different friends may have to take on different things themselves um, in order right. to support us, and like even new caring responsibilities. So prior to that, you know, my, my parents had to help me out hygienically growing up due to the back brace that I was wearing when I was nine years of age. But it's kind of like for the, in in some ways it's like you're a child child again because having to uh -huh. have to help having to help you go to the toilet look after your, your different needs that you may have it's how do we help navigate and ensure that our friends and family are supported through the longest journey right right so uh, you know uh, you're absolutely right I mean uh, you know as much as uh, your illness as a patient is hard it's equally hard for caregivers and family members. So the first thing you cannot, uh, uh, you, uh, you know, you, uh, you, first thing you can do is not take things personally. If you see any fatigue, you, you may see in caregivers, family or friends uh, uh, with their involvement uh, with you or the intensity of, of your care or, or the interactions, you cannot take it personally. You know, it is totally understood that totally understandable as no one, you know, including the person closest to you can be, can be there hundred percent. They are just humans like you are. And, uh, and, uh, you know, just because, uh, you know, it, you know, you see some fatigue does not mean that their love for you has diminished 
or they care less about you. You just have to acknowledge that there are also humans like you. Yeah. And a lot of the times, you know, the uh, caregivers or family who are taking care of you don't even realize that they are doing this. So again, don't don't, don't take it personally. It's it's uh, but natural. Uh, and 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 what you as a patient can do is you know acknowledge uh, the fact that it's quite hard on them so that's uh, definitely uh, what you can do and uh, make sure uh, that they you know ensure their well-being you know talk to them regularly whether it's your friends you know whoever talk to them regularly and and help them get some support uh, and, and stuff like that. You know, whether it, it could be a, you know, a, a medical professional or, you know, household help or gadgets, which will make their, make their, make their life easier. Who do you look up to for, for support? So, so, so right now, so right after my stroke, it was my ex-wife. She helped me tremendously. So even though, even though we are divorced, you know, I have to acknowledge that she did did help me a lot. But now, you know, uh, as I recover, you know, back home, my friends are taking good care of me there. But uh, uh, but here, my mom and sister are helping me a lot. So again, you know, going back to, uh, you know, the, you have to make sure that you tell, uh, you know, the people who are caring for you, that you value them and you care for them in spite of the illness. That's very critical. You know, I, I found, you know, I did that with my ex-wife. I did, did that with my friends. No, no, you know, I did with, with my, uh, my mom and sister. So it's very important to do that. So as, as we spoke about when you had your stroke, prior to that, you had a completely different lifestyle. And I'd probably use the word an enabled, an enabled-bodied person. You, you was able to go out there. You was doing a lot of different things. Then when you had your stroke, you then became disabled and you got a disability how has that changed your view and your perception on on disability and do you feel you've learned new skills and gained more of a positive outlook on life having to adjust your life even right 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 so i mean, I mean this uh, this was all of a sudden you know again if somebody would have told me a few years ago that you know i would have a massive stroke i would be you know uh, not working on long-term disability and uh, divorce and and writing a book, you know, I would have laughed for sure. No, I call, I, okay, I call myself an accidental author. You know, I never thought about writing a book till till I wanted to share my stories uh, in 2018. So, you know, the the my thoughts on, you know, I, I never had thought about this before, but after, you know, after this happened, you know, my, you know, uh, my disability, you know, uh, uh, you know, what I've realized is, you know, and I've decided that that doesn't define me, you know, it's not who I am. You know, I will work through my disabilities and it was extremely hard for me to do this book, but I managed to do it because my, the, I call it my calling to help others was strong and I found a way to do it. And, uh, and I actually wrote the book. So, so my thoughts, you know, are, you know, that, you know, you you can't really think about you know why this has happened to you. You know, you have to accept uh, the situation. And in my book, you know, I have this motif in my in my book. It is what it is, right? So you have to accept uh, the reality the way it is, not what you think you deserve or 
or what you think what you want. So, so I think that that's the key in, in, in your disabilities. You have to work around, you have to reinvent. And, and that's what uh, I'm trying to do is reinvent myself. You know, I never thought I will have this, but now since I have it, I have to figure out, you know, uh, reinvent myself. And, you know, uh, I had a choice to make, right? In uh, 2018 that I could go, go uh, you know, be depressed and sad about my situation or accept uh, what is happening and, and try to redefine my life. So I, I chose the latter. And that's very important uh, for any person who is, uh, you, you know, who is suffering from disability or any adversity or life changes is to uh, focus only on the, on, on the positive and for the future because going back and complaining and self-pity are not options. So as we know, you've got your book published at the moment and it came out last year in December. Where can people go to buy your book and learn about your journey even more? Sure. Uh, the, so the book is available on Amazon platform worldwide. So in the UK, it's definitely Amazon UK. But I believe you can also order it through you know, retailers like Foils, Gardeners, Waterstones, and Blackwells. And also, you know, people can check out my website. There's a lot of information about me, about my journey on my website, samirbide.com, S-A-M-E-E-R-B-H-I-D-E.com. I, I, I do use Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, so people can follow me there. Uh, uh, my profile is uh, samir underscore author on Instagram and uh, Twitter, and on Facebook, it's samir author. So people can follow me there as well. And all those links are on my website as well. Perfect, well, we'll ensure we put the links below and we'll get everyone following and retweeting as well. Thank you so much for coming today. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear about your amazing story and your struggles on how you're turning negative situations into positivity. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. This was a really a nice chat.